We have a lot to get done in our time together today. Roger, can you pull that back door shut, if you would, please? Your next homework assignment has been posted in D2L. Uh, we need to make sure that by the time we are done today, you know everything that you need to in order to achieve that. Um, I don't think that should be any issue because I think we've pretty much covered most of that already. When we were together last time, well, I guess I should pause for a second. Um, any questions you guys have before we jump into things this morning? Yes, ma'am. The homework is due one week from today, or actually um, six days. It's due seven days minus 10 hours from now. So it's due uh, to... Next Tuesday night, yes, yes. All right, so there are um, four programs you will have to write, but let me say that the key here is to think in terms of embracing best practices and writing code in the most efficient way. The really great thing about ABOP is you can use elements of the language to do a lot of work for you that other programming languages might require you to do in the logic of your program. And a good example of that is something that we illustrated previously with the use of data domains. If we define a data domain and we base a data type on that and then use that data type in our program and do things like tell ABOP to check the user's input to validate that it conforms to the data domain, then that removes the obligation for us to write code to do that. So if you will embrace best practices, you may find that many of these programs are in fact rather short. Uh, now that means that you know short 10, 15 lines of code perhaps for some of them, although others uh, may in fact be, be longer than that. Other questions before I jump in? I don't know. I hadn't really uh, thought of it that, yeah, we'll build up to the 10th assignment, which has 10 programs. But no, it just kind of, it, it, in my mind, I look at how many good homeworks can I give you to do different things, and four seem like a, a good workable set for this one. So where I thought we would pick up today is last time we were together, we were talking about the select statement. And we really have covered all the different elements of the select statement except for the where clause, which we will do here in just a moment. But I'd like to, by way of kind of reviewing things that we've done, by way of making sure that we understand the concepts, I'd like to start our time together today by us writing a, a program together. And so that is, is what we will do. Now, as a point of fact, we will use some of the sample databases that you'll also use in your, your homework that relate to this airline flight model. Our workflow here would be identical if we were actually doing this using other ABOP database tables. The big difference is these tables are smaller. And so that's a nice thing. For example, uh, let me just see if I can, I can uh, pull up a table here as an as example here. One of the standard SAP database tables is, is MARA. And I've asked the system to display that for us. And you notice that this particular table has 248 fields in it. Okay? Um, if we were working with this database table, 
um, the process we would use would be the same as what we're about to do here. But if we could do it for four fields, we could do it for 200 fields. So there's no reason for us to, uh, you know, try and use tables this size in, in these programs that we are writing for homework. But this is a great illustration of something that we see a lot in SAP tables where you have, you know, a table with a huge number of fields and then if we actually look at the table contents, um, we will see, for example, um, fields here populated with data, but then a lot of fields that are just, just totally empty here. And other fields that have a fairly small number of values. By the way, those of you that have taken um, the configuration course, what is, what is this right here? This should look familiar to you. Yeah, these are material types, raw, raw materials, finished goods, semi-finished goods, things of that sort. And notice here, we have a lot of tables that are fields that are just totally, totally empty here in this situation. And we're not able to look at all of the fields due to uh, constraints here on the interface here. So you notice it's only showing us 22 of the 224 fields. I, I think we could page over in this fashion. Yeah, there, it actually for whatever reason in this kind of presentation you're limited as to actually being able to browse the full width of the table. But nonetheless, we won't cut into a table this size in our work, but we'll use another table and uh, that is, uh, we'll use the SCAR table. And so let's look at that table for a moment here. The SCAR table uh, gives us information about airlines. I know that based on the description here. And you'll notice we have fields for the airline code, the airline name, the currency of the airline, and their URL. And if I click on this button right here, I can look at the contents of the table. And sure enough, I see uh, a two-letter abbreviation for each airline, as well as the name of the airline, their currency, and so on. Um, notice here, kind of interestingly enough, it only shows us four of the of the five columns in this table and and there's no way to actually browse over to the fifth one in, in this method of data browsing. So there is a fifth field there that's just not being even shown to us in, in the interface. But here's the scenario. Um, I realize that this table only has five fields but in our imagination let's pretend like there are 30 or 40 fields there and we in fact want to do this we want to write a program and, and we'll make a couple of modifications to this but for right now let's start off writing a program that will display to the user the airline code and the name of all of the airlines in the table so we only care about two of the fields here Okay, and so I will keep this open because we'll probably bounce back and forth to it and kind of model workflow I would use otherwise. And I'm going to come over here to a ABOP program and get rid of the code that's there for the sake of our beginning. So the scenario is, as I portrayed it to you, we want to write a program that will that in this first version of the program I want to copy all of the information from this database table to an internal table but I only want to copy the fields for airline code and airline name 
And then once I've done that, I want to display my internal table to the user. So what's the first thing that I, I probably should think about doing here in the context of my program? Okay, I've got to create this internal table because that's going to be my, my key data structure here. Now remember, I, I have a couple of choices. If I want an internal table to match the structure of a database table exactly, then I can do a data statement where I create the internal table type table of and list the database table. But in this example, I don't want an internal table that matches the structure of this table because I'm not going to be using all the fields. Now you might say, well, there's only five fields there. You want two of them. What's the big deal? Well, let's keep in mind, we always want to think in terms of what's most efficient here. And, and in our example, let's pretend that the table actually had more fields in it, if that makes you feel better. So I want to create an internal table capable of holding airline codes and names. But before I can jump to doing that, what do I really have to do first? in order to create that internal table. Determine what fields I need, which we just did. I want the carrier ID and the carrier name. And then what? If I want to create an internal table, what, what do I need to plan first? Don't overcomplicate this. The what now? The type of the table, which is going to be what? What's that? No, I don't think a string will work. What are most internal tables based on? Structure. I heard somebody shout that. Actually, for those of you listening in on the recording, everyone in the class in unison just sounded, just shouted structure because they all know this so well. Okay? Stick with me here. Cover for you guys. So we need to define a structure that will incorporate the fields that we want to build this table on. So let's. Some of this is going to be uh, review, but there are a couple of tricks here I want to show you that that will be new here. So let's create our structure types begin of, and I'll just call this um, airstruct. Okay. All right, so now I have to define the fields. Rule number one, match the name of your fields to the name of the fields in the database table. So I have a field there called car id, that is the airline code, and car name. Okay, so I'm going to come here and I'm just going to do this so that I make sure I match that. Okay, now I have to turn my attention to the types here. We have talked about this statement before, but we have never leveraged it to its fullest potential, such as I'm about to show you. What data type should car it be? There are many potential answers that are work would be workable, but there are, in fact, only two good and correct answers. Car ID is a two-letter uh, code. Okay, I could define a, a two-letter character string. 
that would be viable. That would be something that would allow this program to work, but that would be a very, very, very bad decision. Okay? So you get partial credit for that answer. So what would be one of the two answers that would give full credit? Or even if you don't know the answer, how, how, tell me how to figure out the answer. Okay, I have two options here, and I'll cover that one second. The first one is to look at the database table and to notice that the car id field is of type s underscore car underscore id. So I could come here in my program and mirror that. Type and, you know, s underscore car s underscore car underscore id. That would work. That is a viable and perfectly fine approach. But I would suggest to you there is an even better approach here, and it relates to the answer that I was just given, which is to make use of the like construct. And the way I do this is when I want a field to be of the same type as an existing database table field. I use the keyword like, and then I list the name of the table, which is scar, scar, and then dash, and then the name of the field. So car id is now like the car id file that you find in scar. And similarly, car name is like scar underscore car name. And there's my structure. End of airstruct. Yes, sir. Ah, let's see. I believe forward navigation will work here, but let's check. Um, yep. Forward navigation will, will work for me there. So that's another motivating reason to, to do that. By the way, if I put the type there, when I double-clicked on it, it would have taken me to the ABOB dictionary entry for that data type. So this is another good reason why I think referencing this by way of the database table makes sense. So notice the syntax here. Name of the field in my structure, like, and then the syntax for the like is the name of the table dash the name of the field. So, I've now created my structure. Now I need to do what you observed a moment ago, which is to create an internal table. Data I table, type, and uh, let's go ahead and, and let's employ a sorted table. Sorted table of airstruct with unique key and um, the, the carrier ID, I, I think, makes sense there. So I now have created an internal table that is of type sorted table where everything is going to be sorted based on the carrier ID. And then I need a work area, data, WA, uh, and what I like to do like line of 
iTable. So I now have an internal table and I now have a related work area. I always get in the habit of creating both of those together. You may see the odd program here or there where you don't actually need a work area. Uh, if so, you can always go back and delete it. But as most instances, you will see that we will in fact use it. All right, so now it is time to do what? What? What's that? Query the database to fill up my internal table. So this is now going to let us practice where we were just uh, looking at a moment ago, the select statement. So select carid and carname from s car. What do I type next? Really, really, ah, thank you. Into corresponding fields of, and notice what the code hint spotted us as well. It's corresponding fields of table, I table. So I have now just filled up my internal table with all the different fields that are found in the database table for carid and car name. Well, I said that our whole goal here was to produce output here. So loop at iTable into, or caps lock is not my friend, into WA, write. I'm not going to bother putting a header here, uh, although in another, you know, in a program you write, that's something you probably would want to do. Uh, WA-CARD-WA-CARNAME end loop. So if we have written this correctly, we should now find, and I don't have a syntax error, that my program should go out, populate this internal table with all of the fields from the uh, air struct, or, or from the, excuse me, from the uh, SCAR table. And then at the end, we should write this to output. So let's see if, in fact, that is what happens. And it looks like that, in fact, is, is what happens. Okay, uh, notice here, uh, if I wanted to, just to prove to you uh, how this is working here, I could change my iTable here to, uh, instead of using carid as the sort key, I could use car name as the sort key, because those are going to be unique as well. And you notice now my output is sorted based on the name of the airline as opposed to the, as opposed to the two-letter code. Okay. That is only showing this from the 405 client because I don't have the uh, syntax necessary to span across clients, which is what's the syntax for that? What do I add to this? Client specified will allow me to do that. 
Okay, well, let's look at adding some refinements to this, but before we do that, uh, let's add to our knowledge of the select statement. Oh, by the way, I, I violated what I had said was one of our rules of thumb, which was what? We did not check for, for success here. So uh, I observed there were many different ways we could do this, but one way to do this would be something like this. Um, if sy-subrc equals zero, then I have my loop there, because remember equaling zero is, is good else write no records retrieved and if. Now once again this is going to be hard for me to thoroughly test because we will be in fact retrieving records every time we run it so I have to do some desk checking of my logic here or the other thing I could do would be to purposely try and and trigger an error condition but uh, in this particular code sequence I'm not exactly sure how we would how we would do that okay yes You would. We have. We will talk about that formally. I know you've read about it in your book. We're going to talk about that, and probably Monday, because we'll talk about it in conjunction with database rollbacks. But that would be an appropriate place to use it for sure. Okay. All right. So um, let's talk about the last part of the select statement that we can use, and then let's incorporate that into some refinement in our code. The where clause. Um, with the WHERE clause, we can test for strict equality, where the value of a particular field equals a value of a field. Um, if I want to use wild cards, I'm, I'm rather limited in OpenSQL. I can use an underscore to match a single character. I can use a percent to match a character string of any length. So if you look at the, at the select statement I have there, select star from table, where field like, okay, what, what is that wild card actually saying? That's going to match field for all values that are like the second letter being the letter T, okay? So any letter followed by a T, followed by any character string. Notice it's not where field equals wildcard, it's where field like, and then we specify the wildcard. So let's change up our logic here a little bit in our program. And by the way, one of the programs that you will write for homework has a lot of similarity to the program we just wrote here. And you can see that this program is what? About 15 lines of code, okay? Let's change this up a little bit. Now what we want to do is we want to write a very, very simple program that will allow a user 
to input the name of an uh, airline code and we tell them what letter, you know, like what airline that corresponds to. In other words, if they put in AA, we tell them, well, that corresponds to American Airlines. Okay? So, how are we going to do that? Well, we probably don't need the internal table at this point. So, uh, for the sake of my code here, I'm going to go ahead and comment that out. I may, in fact, not need the work area or the, or the types at all here. Let's just kind of take this piece by piece. But one of the things that we said, and I'm actually going to leave this in for right now so as not to get errors when we, when we run it iteratively here. I want to ask the user for uh, airline value. So what statement do we use at this point to ask the user for values? Okay, so parameters. And I need to give it a, a variable name here. I'll just call this here um, airline. That's under eight letters, so I'm good there. And now I, I need a type, okay? Now, here once again, this is where um, typing, I need to think downstream. I'm going to be using this in conjunction with a database table. So for the sake of making sure that I have maximum correctness here and promoting maintainability, the like statement is going to be my friend again. So parameters airline like, and I want the user to give me a two-letter code, so that's going to be like what? You can kind of look at the code here to see some of your choices. What I want this to be like? Okay. Now, let's, I realize we, we haven't really fully fleshed out a program here, but let's run this guy and see how it works. Notice what I got here. Anybody notice anything odd on the screen? Uppercase airline, but there's even something more interesting there. Got a search box next to that. Okay, I got that for free by using the like statement and tying it to the database table. This is a great example of, of me saying to you, if you write your code um, in the most efficient and correct way, ABOP does a lot of work for it. Now you could make the case, well gee, I just solved the problem. My line, my program could be one line of code long because the user could just look at this and find the answer. But, but let's not treat it that way. Let's actually um, allow him or her to pick one and then tell them, you know, the name of the airline is. Okay, I know it's kind of redundant here, but just bear with me. Um, so let's, or actually, let's, let's do something else here. Um, to, to, to illustrate something a little bit more realistic. Um, here's my dictionary. Suppose we wanted to know the URL of the airline, okay? The URL doesn't show up there. Now, how did the computer determine what showed up there in search help? A lot of it has to do with some of the things here regarding uh, settings in the data dictionary that are related to the definition of a primary key and lookup terms and other things of that sort that, that we won't want to dig into right now. But let's incorporate this, this URL into, into our code here. So what I'm going to do is I've got to ask myself, okay, how do I want to structure this? And we're going to do something a little bit different this time. 
we're going to leverage the fact that one of the things we can do with the select statement is retrieve into, and where I think this has a slide all to its own here, um, can be retrieved into individual data objects using this syntax right here, into and the name of an object. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come back to my code here. I'm going to kill this guy totally off. We're not going to use an internal table at all. I'm going to create a data object here called, um, just for clarity, my URL. And I'm going to make it like, not a line in a table, but like scar-url which is the name of that field, okay? And then what I'm going to do here is I'm going to select the URL from SCAR. And remember, now this is going to change. It's not going to be into corresponding fields of table. It's going to be into, and then I have to use parentheses here, and then I put I, where I want to retrieve it into, into my URL. But I'm not done. What do I, what do I need to add here now? What's that now? Well, I'm only retrieving, I only really need to retrieve that one field. So I don't have to do any modifications there. But what do I need to add here now? I need a where clause, right? Because as it stands now, I'd be retrieving everything, which isn't going to work. So I need a where clause. And, and what should my where clause here be? Where car id equals airline. Okay? And I can use my SYSUBRC uh, equals zero, but I don't need a loop here at all. If it equals zero, then now I'm going to write out to the end user the URL for, and then I'll put uh, airline is my URL. Else, no records retrieved, and if. Okay? Uh, let's save this guy right here. Let's do a syntax check. Uh, incorrect nesting. Select. This right here, and, and it's kind of a annoyance here, um, we'll cover why this is in a moment. But that's actually something called an end, or called the select loop here. So let's just disregard that for a moment. It's to clean up the syntax here. It's one of the annoying things in, in ABOP. And so I will run this now. All right, airline. Continental 
execute. The URL for CO is, and there's the, the URL. It is kind of interesting that the URL goes to the next line. Um, that's not something that we specified here. I suspect it just has to do with the way it's actually stored in the database. Um, we could clean this up a little bit because there is an extra space there and I could see if that's going to do anything for, for me there. But um, Air France, the URL, okay, so the URL for AF is like you see here. Okay, now let's just add an, another refinement here. If I wanted to, I could do this, uh, data uh, air name like scar dash car name, thank you, car name, and then into select URL air name from SCAR, uh, actually that's not right, URL and car name from SCAR into my URL comma air name where carrier ID is equal to and then now I could do here the URL for and instead of putting the two letter airline abbreviation there I could change this to car name and so now, um, oops, component exists. Thank you. Referencing the wrong field. Uh, thank you. Okay. These are the kind of mistakes that I make all day. All right, so now airline uh, British Airways, the URL for British Airways is, and it gives me that output there. Okay. Ah, that's now the question. Notice here, I, I, if I click search, I get these right here. Well, what happens if I key in ZZ? No records retrieved. Okay, but there might be a better way for me to address this issue. What would be another way for me to address this issue? And I'll give you a hint. It's, what's that? Let's see what happens if I introduce value check here. Okay, so now I do this and I run it and if I if the user leaves it blank and tries to execute, I get no records retrieved. If the user enters ZZ and execute, I get no records retrieved. So this is one of those instances where, for whatever reason, value check does not actually constrain the user. But it's a good illustration for, I think that our solution here is a good one. We will see later in the semester there is a way that we could introduce our own um, validity checking there. By the way, at least one of the problems I just showed you, I, I could solve. What's one of the, I showed you two different problems just now, which was what? What's that? I could make it obligatory and then for sure the user would not be able to leave it blank. 
and I think it makes sense. If the user is running this program, there's no good reason for them to leave this blank, and so here I can at least require that, and, and so they could type in a value that's not on the table here, but by giving them the pick list, hopefully that will stop that from happening. Yes, sir. Oh yeah, we could rename, um, let's see, I would have to activate this, and then I would have to go to text elements, selection text, here's the airline, um, I'll just change it to select an airline, and I'm going to do, do it two different ways, so I'll do this, uh, get rid of the stuff that's not needed there, activate, activate, and now all of a sudden, oh, I'm still in the text pool. That's why I can't run it. All right, here we go. So there I get that, select an airline. The other thing that I wasn't as sure about is let's check this. If I go to text element selection text, I do notice I have a reference here to the dictionary. Let's see what that's going to do. So I'll save that. I'll activate that. And so now it's going to pull the value there from the from that and it pulls airline. So uh, a couple different ways you could, you could incorporate that into your program. What I have just shown you, what we have just worked on together, really represents the type of code you will be writing for two of the four homework assignments, if not three, actually. Questions about this? The big thing that we talked about here that's nowhere really explicitly on your slides is the way we have used like and in particular the way we've tied it to things like the parameter statement and uh, incorporated it into structure definitions and so on. Yes, sir? In this case I did because, well, when we started off it was because there was just one and with it just being one and I wasn't actually going to be creating an internal table. A data object made sense there. When I added the second one, now we're kind of walking the line where using a struct here really might have been a better solution. Uh, you know, one or two, you're kind of, you could go either way. Clearly, if there were more than that, I definitely would want to create a structure here. And we did the structure with the first set of code we wrote. Other questions? All right, well, kind of continuing on those, those themes here, we saw something a second ago that is an oddity in ABOP. At least I'll classify it as an oddity. I'm sure the designers didn't think of it as an oddity. They probably saw it as a, as a feature. But in fact, there's an interesting characteristic about the select statement called the select loop. If I write a select statement, and in the into clause, I specify into table. Then what's going to happen is, as we have already seen, the select statement is going to be executed. It's going to go out to a database table, grab a whole set of records, and bring it and put it into an internal table as specified by the into table clause. Okay? But if I do not put into table there, 
if something other than an internal table is listed, then the select operates slightly differently. The select will actually operate in an iterative fashion where the data will be copied iteratively into a set of data objects. This is called the select loop. And what this does is it gives us the ability to write our code to take advantage of this looping mechanism. Now, first of all, you might not understand exactly what's, what I'm saying here. So let me draw just here on the whiteboard here. Here's our database table, okay, with all of its records and all of its fields, okay. So this is a DB table. Over here is an internal table. If I write a select statement, and the select statement, and I'll just label this ITAB, is going to be putting things into an internal table. The select statement will go out, grab the data, put it into the internal table in one operation. It's called array fetch, as it says here. Very, very efficient way. But suppose I actually, for whatever reason, don't want to use an internal table or want to structure my logic in a more iterative fashion. See, in this scenario right here, maybe this wound up retrieving 18 records. So it's gone to the database table, it's grabbed all 18 of those records as a chunk and moved them into the internal table. Well, suppose I say select blah, 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 but I don't say put it into an internal table, I say, like we did just a second ago, put it in a data object, or even maybe I specify select into a, a single structure. Well, what's going to happen in this situation is, let's assume the logic of my select statement would still cause 18 records to be retrieved. What the system will do is it will retrieve the first of those into the data object. And then, after the select statement, I can have essentially a body to the select statement like you would a loop. And then I have an end select statement, which will cause the system to go back up and retrieve the next item. So in my sample code here, select car ID, con ID, city from city to, from SP fly into corresponding fields of WA. WA, you notice here, was not defined in this code example. But I'm retrieving this into a, a structure, into a work area, like I've written here on the board. Well, what this is going to do is it's going to retrieve the first record, and then after retrieving the first record, it's going to put it into the work area, and then I go to the body of the select statement and, and write that out. And then when I hit end select, we go back up and we grab the next record. So now we've grabbed the second record and we're going to write that out. And I'm going to blast through and write out all 18 or however many records. And once the last record has been retrieved, I fall out of the end select statement. The reason why I say this is an oddity, if you will, is anytime I select and the destination is not an internal table, I get this select loop whether I want it or not. 
So that's why here in my code, immediately after line 16, I just have an end select statement. There's no body here. I have a select loop, if you will, but I know that it's actually only going to be retrieving one record. And so I retrieve that and I populate, in this case, my, my URL and air name. And then I print the output here outside of the select loop. Yes? I believe the answer is yes, but let's validate that. See if it actually complains about this or what it's going to do here. Incorrect nesting. For the statement and select, there is no open structure introduced by select. So let's see if I just get rid of that. And that solves the problem. So if I do select single, then that's a way of overriding the iteration here. And that's a good solution in this case. Um, another thing that I could do, let's imagine, for example, that there might actually be multiple airlines that match a given criteria. And I'll, I'll rewrite the code here in just a moment um, to make this more meaningful. But I could do something like this. I could do select, whoops, and then this guy right here could actually move into the body of this right here. And then um, I probably would want to change this to, let's see, not equal is, um, is it any Q, I think? Any, I knew it was too light, like Q. Then, so now we should have functioning code here. All right. Let's see a better use of this. Um, let's change this up a little bit. Um, I'm just going to comment this out, and I'm going to do this. Parameters start type C length 1. Okay. And then I'm going to do this. Select URL car name from S car into my URL where air name like and now I need a, a wild card here and I think what we can do is actually do like start See if it'll let me get away with that. This is where the syntax of this gets kind of wonky. Let me syntax check it and then we'll talk about it. Uh, unknown column name, air name until runtime. Where? Where? That's interesting. Okay, ignore what I was just about to show you. We'll come back to that at some point in the future. It will, it will go through the select loop however many times it needs based on the number of records it retrieves.
Was there another question? Okay. You are right. Thank you. Now, I'm still not sure it's going to work, but that definitely is a step in the right direction. See, this is the problem because I, I've got it. My light clause actually gets really, really hard here because um, I don't think I can even just do that right there. I'm sure that'll be syntactically correct, but the logic isn't going to work right. Yeah, no record. Right, we'll come back to to the where here. I was trying to do one where. Um, well, let's let's take a quick look at like here. Here's our good friend, the dictionary here. Um, let's see if we can find what I'm trying to do here. Where like search string like yeah, this is um, this guy gets really really. Um, sophisticated really quickly here and um, between like I don't want to do that right now for the sake of time what now I'm trying to match the first letter as being the letter that the user chose here well see it's not gonna it's not gonna take that I'm going to have to build up actually uh, something akin to a uh, regular expression here. See, I don't think quotation would treat it like a literal string, which I don't want to have happen. Um, and, you know, I don't think I could do anything like this. So, yeah, it, it's actually, this is one of those things where OpenSQL gets harder than you would think it would be. So. For right now, let's just not focus on that because we don't need that. So here is the select loop. Your book basically says select loops should be avoided. And I agree with that, except in those situations where going through a table line by line by line as you retrieve the information makes sense there is one of the programs that you will write for your homework that gives you a good example of a case where uh, that would make sense. So you will see and get opportunity to practice using a select loop, where essentially in your program, you're going to pull something into a structure, you're going to modify that structure, and then you're going to put that structure into your own internal table. So instead of having ABBA do an array fetch, in one blast and filling your internal table, you're going to take control over the internal table populating process. Uh, here's another example, looks very similar to what we were talking about here. Um, I create three individual data elements. Notice here I'm using direct typing and I select into each of those individual data objects, much like we were doing a moment ago. But I'm, I'm doing this here and just writing all the values out row by row by row. This allows me to avoid even creating an internal table.
questions about any of this? If I need an internal table, I should use an internal table. But in this example right here, if all I really want to do is dump a database table to the screen, there's arguments both directions. The argument for not using a select loop is it's more efficient to the database if you go in, grab all the data at once, and then in your program handle the, the work, if you will. The select loop arguably requires the database to be involved in the interaction for a longer period of time. You know, if you think about it, an array fetch, go out, grab the data, you're done bothering the database. With a select loop, it's kind of like saying to the database, okay, give me the records. Oh, hold on, not so fast. I just want them one at a time. And then you're tasking it. Oh, so you have more of an interaction there. And so for the sake of maximum efficiency, you want to try to avoid the select loop. But we'll practice with it in our programs just so you are familiar with it. Okay? Other questions? So I do feel very confident at this point that, that you know most of the things that you need to, uh, if not all of the things that you need to, to do your, your homework. But I want to forge ahead and hopefully finish up this slide deck here on the basic statements that we use in conjunction with database interaction. So we've talked about the select statement. Uh, statement number two, insert statement. Now remember, we're talking about this in the context of putting things into a database table, not into the context of putting things into an internal table. So in your brain, you always have to kind of segregate those two and realize the syntax is slightly different. For example, you cannot select from an internal table. That's just not part of that. You can read from an internal table, but you cannot select from an internal table. You can insert into an internal table, and you can insert into a database table. Syntax is a little bit different. One way I can insert into a database table is insert into the name of the database table, values, and then the name of a structure which I have populated with the values that I want to move into, or excuse me, insert into the database table. Other alternative, insert database table from structure. Now you look at this and you say, okay, don't those two statements do exactly the same thing? Yes, they do. It's just two different ways of writing the statement that, that works. I can also do this, insert DB table from table, internal table. So the idea here might be you might want to put more than one record into a database table. So accumulate all of those new records into an internal table and then you insert them into the database table all in, all in one blast. That's what that's going to do for us there. SY-SUBRC is our friend. Uh, zero means success. Four means failure, which almost always is going to happen if we are trying to insert into a database table and we are violating the integrity of the table such as the database table definition says 
that certain fields are key fields and therefore must be unique, and our insert would be trying to put in a record that would create a duplicate key. Yes, sir? Is the structure be a subset of the fields Yes. And if it does, realize now we can, we can look at things like um, the corresponding fields of clause can be incorporated into this as well. Absolutely. For the from table option, the logic here is really kind of interesting. Let's say I fill an internal table with 25 records and I execute the insert database table from table internal table and it tries to put those 25 records in and one of them would result in a duplicate key. If there's a problem with even one of the records, the whole operation is rolled back, which means you don't get any insert at all. So it's kind of an all or nothing proposition here, which I, I think is a good way for, for this to be handled by default. You might say though, well I don't want it to work that way. If I feed it 25 records, uh, and it can only insert 23 of them, I want it to do that. Well, I can do that. If you desire all the valid rows to be inserted, then you can add to the statement accepting duplicate keys. Now, that will not result in duplicate keys being added to the database, but it will result in it not choking on the duplicate key situation and when it comes to a record that's problematic, it just throws that away. The problem with this is you don't know which records it threw away unless you go back afterwards now and do some kind of logic in your program where you're going to query the table to see if all the records are there or not. So although this is a valid thing to do syntactically, it's hard to come up with a scenario where that's actually what you would want to have happen. Uh, the duplicate rows, they still get skipped. They're not going to be put in the table, but at least the other rows, in fact, will be inserted in this situation. SY-SUBRC um, is set to four to indicate that this error, mess, error scenario did occur, but SY-DBCount would be set to the number of rows successfully inserted. So this is kind of one of those odd situations where you could actually make the case that your best test here is to look at SYDB count to see if, if you did a normal insert, you would expect to see one or more records actually be inserted. So you could use that in your logic for an insert instead of SY-SUBRC. You still want to check, but you can pick which one of those tests would make sense. Now, you should be aware that duplicate keys are going to result in things being rejected. But let's assume we have a database table that has a field that has a type that's associated with a domain definition. And let's say for the sake of argument that the domain definition says this can only be a number between 1 and 10. That's the domain definition. Domain restrictions are not enforced on programmatic data insertion. So if you tried to insert one where that field was set to an 11, it would take it. 
it would take it. So you're only going to get data integrity enforcement in the situation where it, it's looking at keys. For things not related to keys, such as domain value, um, you're, you're, you're not going to be protected here. Do I wish it worked differently? Sure, but it doesn't. When you get right down to it, the reason why this has to work this way is because the duplicate keys is likely going to be blocked by the underlying database management system. So ABOP is really just passing along an error message from the underlying database management system. Domain restriction is an ABOP element, not a database table definition element in the strictest sense. And so that's why we don't get that particular protection. Questions about the insert statement. This will make more sense to you, I think, when you get to practice it. Uh, I will say that for the sake of your homework, you will be doing things related to pulling data out of databases, and you'll be doing manipulations related to internal tables. But at least for this programming assignment, I'm not having you insert, update, or uh, actually, I take that back. You are going to have to write a program that inserts things into a database table. All right, so uh, this is something that, that you will have to do, but you're going to insert into a table that you create, not a system table, so that um, if you mess it up, uh, it's up to you to fix it. All right, questions? Update. If I want to update a single record or multiple records in a database table, update DB table from structure. Now you might look at that and say, hold on a second, what's the deal here? How is it going to know what to do? It seems like there's some information missing. So let me explain to you the way this is going to work. Um, here's my diagram of database table. Let's assume that this is our airline table. And so here's AA, American Airlines, uh, then their URL, and I think it also says, you know, they take US dollars. And then here would be DL, Delta, and so on and so forth, okay? So that's my database table. Well, American Airlines was bought out, and they're now going to rename their airline, okay? And let's assume that this field right here is, is the key field in the table, AA. So what I could do is I could populate a structure here with AA as the airline and then their new name, which would be, I don't know, uh, Air, Air Dog Airlines, okay? And now I want to update my database table based on this information. That statement right there is all I would need to do. Because what it's going to do is it's going to take this structure and it's going to find the record in the database table that matches it. How, how, will, it, how will it find the match? It'll look at the key field. Key, key. Okay, so that happens automatically. It goes and it looks at your structure 
it finds the key field in the structure, it matches the key in the database table, and once it has found that record, it changes the name in this case of, of the airline here. Okay? Yes? Ah. Yes. In this case, that would be what would happen here. So, I would probably, I have a couple choices here. I could, you know, put the URL in here and put US dollars in here so that those don't get disrupted. Or, not going to cover it right now for sake of time, there's further words that I could add to that statement that would tell it to only look at the fields in this structure that are populated. Yes. Oh, you were just scratching your head. Okay. What if I want to change the key field? You know, suppose American Airlines decided that um, they wanted to stay American Airlines, but they wanted their abbreviation now to be AL. Well, I'm going to have to delete the old record and put a brand new record in the database table because that's the only way to manage that. So as I was just putting on the whiteboard, the key field value or values in the structure are used for, for row selection in this case. Other alternatives. I can do this. Update database table set this field to this value, this field to this value, this field to this value, where key field equals value and key field equals value. I can build that up however I would like. In this case, only the field specify in the set clause are changed. So in lieu of what I was showing you a moment ago, the other way we could approach this is I could say update the airline table, set um, airline abbreviation, whatever the actual name of that field is, equal to uh, AL, where airline abbreviation equals AA. So you've undoubtedly written database statements like that before in other classes. The merit of this is the only values that are going to be changed are those specified in the set clause. And if the conditions in the where clause are not unique, multiple records could be changed by this. So we have to be very careful that our where is written with knowledge of what's actually in the database and takes into account, you know, we in fact might want multiple records to be changed. Other alternative is this guy right here. Update DB table from table internal table. And what that's going to do is very similar to the first thing on the screen, except instead of it just being a structure, there's going to be a whole internal table here that have been populated with updated records. And it's going to go through and match those records up one by one, finding their corresponding uh, item in the database table, and then making the changes to the values based on what's in the internal table. With all of these, 
SY-SUBRC will be set, zero for success, four if there's some kind of problem in the update process, and SY-DB count is set to the number of updated rows. Questions? All right, I have two more to show you, and, and then we'll, we'll be done here. So bear with me for just a couple more minutes. Update looks for existing records, and if it finds them, it changes their values. We also have a modify statement. Modify is, is very useful in a particular set of circumstances. What modify will do is it looks for a record that matches the, the new item you're trying to put into the table. If that record exists, it updates that particular information. But if a matching record does not exist, it inserts a new record. So it's a kind of a hybrid statement here. So what I could do is I could say modify a database table from a structure. And so in this case right here, if the airline code is the key, it's going to say, oh, AA matches an item in the database table. So it's going to take all the things here in the structure and update the database table accordingly. But if what's in the structure is DA and all the information related to that airline, it's going to look in the table and it's going to say, I don't have an airline in the table uh, that corresponds to DA, so it just takes this and inserts it as a new record into the table. This could be very useful in a lot of situations. You could imagine, for example, a database table that has customer information. And you are using as the key something like a customer ID number. And use a modify statement that basically then says, okay, look and see if this customer's in the table. And if they are, update this information to correspond to the new information I got about this customer. But if the customer isn't in the table, go ahead and add this person as a new record in the table because they're actually a new customer in this instance. So there's a lot of place logically where this would be useful. And you can do this not only with individual structures, you can do it with internal tables as well. And the same last few lines of the slide here, SYDB count is set to the number of rows that were affected. SY-SUBRC is going to tell us if we were successful or not. Questions? The reason why I wanted to make sure we got to this next slide is this. You are going to be writing a program for homework that requires you to present the, requires you to create a database table according to a specification. Then you will write a program that will present the user with a set of fields for the user to type information in or pick information based on a search. When the user executes that, you're going to take that user's information and put it in a database table. So you're going to be doing some inserts based on, based on the requirements of the homework assignment. It is very likely that as you are writing the logic of your program, you may wind up accidentally putting some garbage in your database table. So I wanted to make sure I told you 
how to delete things from your database table. Delete allows us to delete errant records. And I have really three different variations here. Delete from DB table, where key equals value and key equals value. Uh, delete from DB table where, and there are other logical conditions that you can find in the documentation. Or delete from DB table from internal table, and in that situation, it's going to look at the internal table and then go to the database table and delete all the records that correspond with the key fields found in the internal table. There are also alternate syntaxes here where you can just say delete from DB table period and it'll wipe out the whole database table. Okay? Now, please, please, please be very careful with this. Only use this on your table that you are going to define for the sake of homework. And I say that because you could use this to wipe out a critical system database table that would actually bring down the system. In a corporate environment, there would be controls that would keep you from doing that. Because we are in an academic environment, you pretty much are running at a very, very high level of authority and things are not locked down. So please be very careful with this statement and only use it on the table that you are actually creating in your homework. Yes, sir. No. Um, we've never had it happen. Don't want to see it happen. Um, the database table will be deleted. Your activity will be logged. And I will get a very irate message from our hosting site saying, user so-and-so deleted such-and-such. What's wrong with them? And, and uh, I won't have a good answer to that question. And uh, yeah, so all I ask is that you be very, very careful with this. But like I said, in your writing of your program, where you're populating your database table, while you're getting things up and running, you may wind up with some garbage in your table you want to get rid of. The delete statement, it's very, very common to write just like a one-line program, delete such and such. And then you run that program, and it blows away all the data in your table. So think in terms of maybe even writing some kind of helper programs as you are developing your code to take care of those kinds of housekeeping issues. Questions? All right. Please do look at the homework sooner rather than later. That way, if you have questions, you can get in touch with me. I purposely gave us as many days as I could with the mindset being that if nothing else, on Monday, we could talk about some things together as a class. But I'll only do that if I get like 18 questions on the same thing. And then I'll just come in and talk to the whole class about it. Otherwise, as you run into questions, try and figure it out on your own, obviously. But if you really get stuck, feel free to reach out to me via email, and I will help you however I can.